With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody. I am Lucia Matuonto, and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books, and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to the Relatable Voice podcast. On today's episode, the RV is headed to Ohio to speak with Susan Newell. Susie is a nurse, anesthesiologist, a speaker, and an author. Her book, The Path Through 365, Daily Direction for Ladies and Mothers, Witches and Others. So, Susie, welcome to The Relatable Voice. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. As I was looking forward to talking with you. So, Susie, I only listed the three things that you do, but you are also a business owner, a political activist, a mother, and so much more. So where do you get your energy from? <laughs> I, uh, I think I've always felt the need to accomplish and I come from a long line of really accomplished women. And my grandmother was, I remember when I was really young, I was in the kitchen one day and I was telling her how I was going to change the world and I was going to fight and be all these things. And she says to me, you can't impress me. I graduated from the university of Chicago in 1924 cut off my hair, cut off my skirt, and went out and voted all three for the first time in women's history. And I think I've been trying to overcome that indomitable moment ever since. <laughs> it's, wow. it's, a, it's a lot to live up to. <laughs> wow. And you mentioned, however, earlier, having a difficult health journey. So can you tell us more about it? So my family, uh, they're, like I said, they're accomplished, but we also struggle significantly with substance use disorder. So I, my, I have uh, two, well, I had two brothers and two sisters and uh, parents, of course. And my father quit drinking when I was three, but he died when I was 16. And then my mother just died of a broken heart and pretty much drank. And I mean, like I said, they, they worked, they did their things, but they, they really uh, just never overcame that as a coping mechanism. And then uh, when I was, I think about 40, my brother died of cirrhosis and then uh, my sister in 2017 died of an overdose. So in a family of seven, I have a sister and a brother and me. 
left. And I quit drinking when I was in my 20s. I had an unfortunate relapse when I was in my 30s, which just reinforced a lot of the work that I did after that. So my health journey and my mental health journey has been my entire life. Mm-hmm. And Susie, did this lead your career in healthcare? You you have a doctorate specializing yes. in a mechanism for women. Can you explain to us what that is? Exactly. That so I went to school for anesthesia and I work with obstetric anesthesia. So I put in your epidurals and I do the C sections and I do all that, and that's my specialty. Mm -hmm. And then there was, I was working in a part of Ohio at the time that was about 18% addiction rate for mothers. So that's almost one out of five mothers that I got had struggled with pills or heroin or um, whatever substance they could get their hands on. So after my sister died, I really felt the need to do something more. I felt motivated. And I went to back to school and got my doctorate in coping mechanisms for women. And I really researched the neuroscience behind that. And I also had started a group on that unit for women. It's now called recovery path for mothers and others, but it was originally called moms getting sober, which is apparently not very politically correct in that world anymore. So (laughs) I changed the name to recovery path for mothers and others. And that led me to really hone in on the coping mechanisms and how important it is to incorporate appropriate coping mechanisms into your life to replace these things. And it also led to the idea that we're doing this all wrong in healthcare. So I, I, when I started working with the women, I realized I needed to not only take my experience, but I needed to step it up a a, a little bit. And so that's why I returned to school and yeah, that's it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you know, I think your grandmother would be very proud of you. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> and Susie, your book is called The Path 365. And can you quickly tell us more? What is this book about? Okay, so like I said, I studied the neuroscience behind the coping mechanisms and I've always been a little bit of the groovy mind body science and I learned and researched and, and have overwhelming evidence to show that this is how you bring up your dopamine levels. This is how you bring up your endorphin levels. This is how you change the chemistry of your brain. And these, the mind, body, and spirit are all coping mechanisms that lead to a better chemistry in your brain. So for for women with, and so how it started was women with substance use disorder need not just, oh, hey, quit using and everything's gonna be okay or quit using and go to counseling and you'll be fine. Those things don't work in and of themselves because if you look at the imaging science behind this, you find out that 
the dopamine levels of a person who is in addiction are completely, completely depleted. So what that means is you wake up after a night of drinking and maybe you feel a little bit like sad or depressed. These people wake up with no capacity to recover from that. So if you don't create coping mechanisms that build the dopamine and endorphins, you don't have a chance at recovery. And just like a stroke victim, that takes months and months and sometimes years. So you can't expect someone who is in full-blown addiction mode to just get better. They quit using. I don't know why they can't get better. Well, they don't have the chemistry in their brain yet to cope. So I realized while I was working on creating this meeting and doing these coping mechanisms every week and talking about these coping mechanisms that this was good for everybody. (laughs) Why wouldn't everybody use this? I mean, why we all use a little dopamine and endorphins. And then I realized that what it comes down to is that you know, every ancient spiritual practice, every mental health, uh, groovy hippie practice all comes back to that mind, body, spirit. And now I know that's because there's a ton of neuroscience behind it. So um, when you talk about processing through the counseling, that's sort of cleaning out your brain, right? And then the body is all the things that are, we, we hate in society, the, uh, you know, the fat and the exercise and the eating and the oh, la la la. But that's not really the point at all. The point is every day you do something little to move and you have some sort of consciousness on eating. And that actually brings up your endorphins. So you do that over a period of a year or two years and maybe you've lost weight and that's great, but that's not the point. The point is to just stay on the path. Then the third part, the spirit part is the most controversial. And I love looking at the literature about this because they all fall back on meditation, right? Because meditation, you can have science behind meditation, but really tell me what the difference between meditation and prayer is. I mean, if you have like a great prayer practice that you do or some sort of um, practice with um, you know, some spiritual practice that, that involves a meditative portion, they, they're all the same thing. And all of those increase your dopamine levels. And so if you get a really good kind of meditative spiritual practice going, you constantly are, are reigniting those dopamine levels. So that is the spirit portion. And that's, for me, I guess maybe after all this time is the most important because that's where you learn how to not fall back, how you learn how to, when all else fails, you can breathe, you can pray, you can do whatever it is. You hold your crystal, light your candle, take your bath, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. do your thing and get there. And so my big tagline is, I don't care how you get there, just get there. And interestingly, I was sitting in a bath one day and my husband. I was telling my husband, I'm like, this stuff's good for everybody. We should like, there should be a book out there. And I'm telling him all about it. And he's smiling at me and it's in the middle of the pandemic. And I said, you know, I, I think that we should, you know, th- th- it should be pretty though. Like all these books for people, they're just like, you know, they're not pretty and there's not something people want to hold on to. And, and my daughter is a, a an artist and a, um, a 
she's a very creative type and she had lived in New York for seven years and was living in my basement three days after the COVID started, right? So, or the pandemic shut everything down. Of course, she moved home because what else is she going to do? And she was very accomplished um, creative director and she did a lot of stage managing and she's done, you know, assistant production and that kind of thing. So he says, you know, you might have some people that can help us put a book together if you want to write one. I think you can write it. So I wrote 365 pages and I wrote 365 entries. So each entry is a coping mechanism for the day with an intention for you to kind of focus on afterwards. Mm-hmm. And then I handed her the 365 pages and she created a work of art with a team that she put together. Wow, that's so interesting. So your daughter helped you and your husband, of course, everybody right, right. supporting you. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And how did you research for this book? Well, the, uh, the doctorate really helped. I mean, that was... I have... Uh, so the, the group that I ran, I did a project for my doctorate that measured the uh, depression, anxiety, and stress scale based on the coping mechanisms that I brought to the meeting every week. And I did a pre-survey with that and some other surveys, but the depression, anxiety, stress scale was the most quantitative uh, data that I had. And so the, the results of that are going to be published in nursing for women's health in June, actually. So just coming up now, but it, the results were phenomenal. People really, really responded to the idea that if they do these things consistently, if they, if they show up and they, they, they have some willingness to, to, move through it, they can feel better. Mm-hmm. And that was, was really refreshing. So that, uh, so I have some data that shows that, uh, the, the research works and we're doing a second phase of, of that as well. I'm going to be starting into some more research coming up to, um, actually research on the book. So uh-huh. I used my research to write the book and now we're using the book to, to, uh, do research. So it's exciting. And I, so that's how I, garnered the science behind it. Very good. It's so exciting. Throughout the book, it, there is divided into 28 sections. And this has to do with just the number 365. So I divided into 28 sections of 13 a piece, which equals uh, 
what, 364, and then there's another, there's actually 366 entries, but don't ask, it's really complicated. <laughs> the last entry is just a, hey, you know, great job kind of entry. So, so each one is titled something, it has a theme. So we talk about gratitude, we talk about your body is perfect, you're, you are perfect. Uh, there's, I mean, there's 28 of them. So, mm-hmm. and each one is kind of thematically. And so then you go through each 13 entries and each entry has something for the mind, something for the body, something for the uh, spirit. And, uh, you know, since there's 13, there's, there's sort of a theme through there. So some of them are more spirit heavy. Some of them are more, uh, body heavy and some of them are more mind heavy. And if you start at the, you can, you can read it all the way through people. A lot of people have been telling me they just open up and get a different entry every day, which is fine. And in the beginning, I tell you, there's a little section that how do I read this book? And you can read it it's built upon each other. So the end is more spirit heavy because I feel like that's a more challenging and uh, challenging part of it, but it's weaved, all of it is weaved throughout the whole thing. So if you had a typical entry, you would uh, talk about how the, um, like I think one of them is compassion is revolutionary and how you can, instead of focusing all your energy on anger and, and judging people around you to internalize a more positive energy that creates a calmer space for yourself and, and worry more about your own spiritual practice than everybody else's. So there's a lot of that kind of stuff. There's also, um, Hey, you're not ugly. Um, I, Oh, my, my theme is you talk about the bitch in your head. And, the, and I'm sorry, if, can I say that on this? <laughs> so, and I know that's a word that people are, is a little bit controversial, but I feel like if it's your own, you can, you can claim it. Uh, that constant chat, chat, chat in your head that, that makes you see yourself less than, than you really are. And we work a lot on telling that, that one to shut up. And at the end, there's an intention then. And so the intention will say things like, what can you do today to decrease your judgment of other people? Or what can you do today to increase your, and, and they're, they're very specific to whatever they're reading is that day. There's so many, it's hard to break down that, that literally. I'm curious to see, to read your book. All right. (laughs) (laughs) And so it seems like this, is supporting the idea of being your own agent when it comes to your health, probably because the health system has limitation. So what are your thoughts on that? Yes, this is, I am very passionate about recognizing health as a a legitimate science. So I, I would prefer to even change the name because I feel like the term mental health is the redheaded stepchild of the healthcare system in the United States. And it's, we treat it as a social service problem. It's a, an embarrassing social service problem that has nothing to do with brain fitness. And when you start talking about how we want to change the brain and how we want to increase the dopamine levels and the endorphin levels and how this takes months and months then you can start having real conversations about, well, 
why don't we have a physical therapist that's devoted to brain fitness? So you can do brain rehab as opposed to putting people in a treatment center down the road or putting people on the eighth floor for their mental health system and that, that really embarrassing floor up there. We can destigmatize it by actually treating it like a science as opposed to this idea that, oh, well, it's not a science, but we have so much evidence that says it is. The problem, and I do understand this, the problem is, is that when we're crazy, we're crazy, right? <laughs> I haven't been perfect in my life and I've had crazy moments. And when, when people don't understand those kinds of breakdowns, they attribute it to weakness. Exactly. instead of brain chemistry. So I feel like there's so much, well, first of all, I mean, you can't even begin with the health system that we have. It's so fractured in the United States without changing, having kind of a revolution in the system. I don't have a lot of, of answers for that, but substance use disorder is a really great place to start because it's got some cohesive research behind it internationally. And we have the whole um, World Health Organization that has, has recommended a treatment pathway and uh, decriminalization and all of that stuff. And then we have 20 years of evidence from Portugal showing that a concentrated healthcare devoted to substance use disorder can create a difference. That, that actually makes a difference within the community. So there's a lot of stuff out there that we're so far from getting. I really think my job is just to, in my own little corner of the world, just keep informing and keep informing and keep, and keep bringing it back to the science because I feel like that really helps destigmatize mental health to begin with. So and full transparency, I was probably a younger person. I was probably kind of judgmental myself. So I understand where people come from when that happens. As a, as a practitioner uh, of anesthesia, I often run into people's mental health problems, right? Mm -hmm. You're never so crazy as when you're feeling vulnerable, right? So what, yeah. are, what do people feel like when you're standing over them with a, a mask and a you know, you're about to put them to sleep and they've heard all these terrible things. And so I think it, this has been a great journey for me to remind me of who I am and what I believe, because it didn't take long for me to realize that my own prejudices within this area as well. Yeah. And Susie, when writing this book, how did you manage your personal bias or letting it affect you and completing the book? That is a great question. So I had this team. <laughs> so I had Madeline, I had Frankie was the artist, Frankie Jerome, Mikey Craighead, and Matthew Vanderloom. And they all got a shot at the book. I wrote the I wrote the stack of papers and I handed it to them. And Madeline and Mikey created this poetry looking every entry looks like poetry. They had me write things and placed that into their little InDesign. And I mean, I knew nothing about this stuff. I've learned a lot. Uh -huh. And they created a, a sort of a, a beautiful page for each page. They put artwork on each page. They worked with, you know, Frankie to get little pieces of the, his art that each theme had. 
anyway, so they all took a huge gander at my work and all had a lot of opinions. And I am at a place in my life where I have enough confidence that I can handle lots of feedback. So I listened and I heard them say, hey, it's where I learned my my loose use of terms like bitch and crazy and that kind of stuff are, are unacceptable. And I said, well, we got to keep the one in there because I feel like we can all relate to that. That's a personal demon. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I think it's an appropriate word, yeah. but with, uh, with a, like feeling crazy and stuff like that, they, they really took my bias out of there. Like, don't use the words feeling crazy. And I'm like, Oh really? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I learned a ton. I mean, I, I, I thought I, you think you're so progressive and then you age and then you raise a child and you go through life. And then all of a sudden you wake up one day and, and the rules have changed and that's okay. I, my job is to learn and be open not Mm -hmm. to criticize and be defensive because if I'm going to be the person on these pages, I have to be open to feedback. I have to be open to what people say to me. And so it was a great process. They were a fabulous team and I'm so lucky. I mean, I, I, I hate to say COVID was a, a blessing for me, but having all of these artists out of work, I mean, the week before my daughter had been running a couple shows. She had been doing all sorts of stuff all over New York. She was living her life, doing her thing. And in three days, you know, all of these uh, performance people lost all of their work just like that overnight. And so I, it was great for all of us. I mean, we all just sort of came together and the timing was, was perfect. So. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Susie, what is next for you? I'm sure you, you're not going to stop. And you told me already that you are doing something else. So please let us know. Yeah, so I, well, I did say I was continuing with the research. And so that's great. I'm teaching at the University of Cincinnati. And one of the researchers there approached me and asked me to use my books for, for research. My the part of that team as a sound engineer and they are doing, uh, uh, Madeline is doing the audible. She, well, she's finished the recording and, and he's doing the engineering right now to put together the audible book. And we hope we're actually putting together a journal. So a journal an accompaniment journal, and I hope to do a men's leaning version. I'm going to call it because we included everybody in the title of this one, but it is really a very feminine feeling book. And so we're hoping to do a more male feeling book uh, for, for the others. <laughs> uh-huh. Wow, that sounds fantastic. Uh, Susie, you've been doing so much and I really would like you could leave a message for our listeners today. Yeah, I think that the most important thing, and it's kind of where we started is that Everybody can do a little of something in their own little corner of the world. If you just do your thing, your good thing, and your corner of the world, the world would be such a better place. Thank you. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. So, I'm so happy to have you here. So where can our listeners find you? I am the path365.com. That is the website. So thepath365.com, all one word. 
And then I'm on Facebook at The Path 365. I'm on Instagram at The Path 365. There's underscores in there. So it's at the underscore path underscore 365. I don't know why. (laughs) I'm on Twitter, but I'm not very good on Twitter. And I am on TikTok. Oh, you are on TikTok. I am at the path 365 TikTok. So great. I still didn't get this. I'm I'm killing it here. Let me tell you. (laughs) So, Susie, it was a pleasure to speak with you. Congratulations for this work. It's fantastic. I hope you can come back and tell me about your new projects. Thank you. You are such a joy. Thank you for having me here. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening. And remember, relationships don't exist. Relating does. Until next time. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.